Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Okay. Well, for those of you who don't know me, welcome to the Father's House, first of all. My name is Andrea, and I'm the worship pastor here at the Father's House. And I am so, so, so excited to bring the word to you today. But before we jump into anything, what about that worship this morning? I mean, Jen, you're so right. That's what happens when we wait. When we just sit back for a moment and we just wait, and God, what do you want to do in this moment? And I am so thankful that we have such an amazing team here that leads us in worship every, every, every single weekend. So thank you, team. You, you guys are, are amazing. Well, for the last five weeks, we've been in a series called Summer in the Psalms. Um, we've been examining a different psalm every single week, that, uh, a message that applies to our life. And uh, you might be thinking when I said five weeks, oh no, I've missed some. Don't worry, we've got you covered. Um, on our website, thefathershouse.com, you can go into the archives and you can watch. We, we archive every single teaching that is given from this pulpit, whether it's a Sunday, whether it's a Wednesday, first Wednesday, um, whatever it is, we archive all of our messages so that you can go back and you can listen. Maybe if you missed it, or maybe you just need to get a little bit more. Um, sometimes, you know, I get the privilege of, of listening to two um, every single Sunday, both nine and 11, and I'll tell you what, God speaks differently. He just really does. You never know what he's gonna say. So um, I encourage you that if you've missed any of the somewhere in the Psalms thus far that you would go back and that you would listen and just get um, all the richness of, of God's word that we've been talking about. Now, before we jump in, let's pray, because that's always a great place to start, right? So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Father, for the worship. Um, thank you that you, time and time again, you show up, and we just come into this place just with hearts expectant, wide open, just uh, to worship you and, and for you to move, God. And, and Father, we're just continuing on in worship, in, in the listening and the teaching of your word, God. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, today. May these truths take deep root in our hearts today. And may we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers of the word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now there's a story of a recently licensed pilot that was flying his private plane on a cloudy day. Now he wasn't very experienced in instrument landing. And when the control tower was to bring him in, he began to get very, very, very panicky. Um, in his panic state, he heard a stern voice come over the radio, you just obey instructions, we'll take care of the obstructions. What if I told you that there is a place that you can go to that is 100% 24-7 guaranteed protection? However, just as the pilot in our story, you have to follow all instructions to receive this protection. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing, even, even if you may not know all of the instructions ahead of time, or maybe even if it doesn't make sense, are you still willing? Are you still willing? If you're taking notes today, I've entitled this message, Safe and Secure. Safe and Secure. And I really hope that you are taking notes uh, because we can't possibly remember everything that God is going to download to us today. So I encourage you, highly encourage you to take notes. So Safe and Secure. And the psalm we're going to explore today is Psalm 91. Now, did you know that the second song today that you sung was Psalm 91? 
you actually already sang the message today. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Now, we don't know for sure who wrote this psalm. Some believe that it was Moses because Moses actually wrote the psalm before it. And some of the language that is used in Psalm 91 um, kind of makes uh, theologians lean towards that possibly Moses was the one who wrote it. But um, at any rate, we, we really don't know. We're really not for certain. But what I can be for certain is that Psalm 91 is full of the promise of divine protection. However... There's something you should know before we jump right in. These promises are conditional. Through his word, God is going to teach us that if we will follow his instruction, then we will experience the promise of his protection. So let's go to his word. Psalm 91, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and uh, let's all read these together. Ready? Go. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. My God in him I will trust. Now, everything that comes after this, all the promises in this chapter really hinge on these first two verses. See, Psalm 91's promises are for those that put their complete trust in God, those who dwell, live, and abide in him. These promises are dependent on one's meeting the conditions stated actually in the first two verses. Now, verse one says, he who dwells, not he who dwelt, or he who will dwell, but he who dwells. This denotes a constant consistency. Now, there's a difference between wanting and willing, right? Um, there are those of us that uh, want a nice car, want a nice house, that new promotion, or that strong marriage, or that fit body, that healthy body, but let's be honest, we're not willing to take the necessary steps it takes to get there. You know, I was thinking about this, and you know, um, I'm a musical person and I've always just loved, you know, instruments. It doesn't matter what it is. And I would just love to be able to play every instrument known to man. And then when I see somebody like a Matt who plays the guitar, he just picks it up and just his fingers just move effortlessly. And, and I go, man, I wish I could play like that. But am I willing to sit in my room for hours upon hours upon hours a day to practice to get to the point where I could play like Matt? Well, do you see me up there playing a guitar? No. So apparently I'm still in the wanting stage and I'm not in the willing stage. You know, we can say that we want to trust God, but are you willing to trust him in the middle of a storm when your visibility is zero? See, it could just be a nice cloudy day and I'll trust him. But what if you're in a storm and your visibility is absolutely zero? Who do you trust in? Do you trust in God? See, being willing is when my desires exceed my excuses and then I'm ready to do whatever it takes. That's how we get from wanting to willing, when my desire exceeds my excuses that keeps me stuck in the want and doesn't allow me to go in the willing then I'm ready to do whatever it takes. In this passage, dwell in Hebrew is the word yoseb, which means to remain, sit, or to take up permanent residence. Last week, Pastor Ben taught from Psalm 1, and he taught us through Psalm 1 where we're not to sit. Where we're not to sit. Psalm 91 tells us where we are to sit. See, we're not just visiting as presidents. I'm making my home 
in his presence. Now look at me for just one second. Because if you hear nothing else that I say today, please hear the Father's heart. And that above all else, he wants you to experience his manifest presence. He wants you to experience more than he is just omnipresent, that he is everywhere, but he wants you to experience the personal closeness of his manifest presence. And the only way that we can experience that is if we dwell with him. Now we all want to grow and get better, right? I'll do the Lisa thing, right? We all want to grow and we all want to get better. I mean, if you didn't want to even a little bit, you probably wouldn't be here today. But growing doesn't equal comfort, does it? And because I want to see each of us grow, I'm willing to get a little bit uncomfortable today. So I hope that you strap your seatbelt on and let's get after it. God isn't our Airbnb. I think it's safe to say that everyone in the room and those of you watching online know what an Airbnb is. An Airbnb is when you Google that and you're saying, oh man, I wanna go to the beach for the week. I'm I'm planning my vacation. We gotta have somewhere to stay. You gotta go to VRBO or, or whatever website you decide to go to because you're wanting to rent a place to stay. You have no intention intentions of staying there long-term, just in the amount of time that you've rented it for. He who dwells speaks of finding a home with God. The Bible doesn't say he who rents a room or he who spends the night. To dwell is to make your home with God. Now let's get honest and real. As Christians, some of us don't dwell with God. We simply spend the night with him as if we were spending the night in a hotel. Maybe you simply rented a place with Christ when you were younger, but you've moved on now. You left to find better accommodations. You come back to God's place from time to time, but you don't like living there. It's too restricting. You want the benefits or the promises that come from dwelling in his presence, but you aren't willing to follow him under all circumstances. And then when we realize that this new place has left us unprotected, we can tend to throw our arms up in the air blaming God. I don't know about you, but I want to be protected, especially in the day and age that we live in, folks. I want to be protected, and I know that you do too. And according to Psalm 91, the one who is protected is the one who dwells with God, not rents a loft or spends the night or just visits on weekends. I heard someone say, God doesn't have grandkids. What do grandkids do? They come and they visit, and then you send them home to their parents right? No, God doesn't have grandkids. He has kids. He has sons and daughters. God says later in verse 14 that we'll read a little bit later, I extend my protection for the person who loves me. In our culture, we use that word love a bit flippantly, don't we? We say we love one thing one minute and then we change our mind the next. But in Hebrew, that phrase who loves me actually means to be attached to. So it's not an in and out thing. It's we're attached to him. As you can probably tell by looking at me, I've said this so many times, um, I am pigment in, in, um, pigment challenged. Um, I don't tan very well. Um, where are all my fair skinned people at? Where are you at? Yes, those are my people. Those are my people. You know, if I'm going to the beach, I am taking lots of sunscreen right? Because um, as I found out one time, I even was up underneath covering and still got sunburned. How does that happen? 
I mean, yes, reflection off the sun, but come on. I mean, I'm undercovering. You know, you would think that I would be okay, but no, I had to walk around the rest of the time we were in Cocoa Beach with burnt legs from here down. I looked really ridiculous. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. But, you know, if I'm going to the beach, I'm taking lots of sunscreen so that I can be protected, and I'm also going to bring a covering. Now, I'm not going to bring just a little umbrella like this that I, that I brought out today because... I want to like actually be comfortable and kind of move around. So I'm bringing a big tent, but I figured that we probably couldn't set up a big tent here today. So some of you are getting really nervous because you have believed the lie of a superstition that you cannot open an umbrella in a room. But let me assure you, first of all, superstitions are a lie. They're not real. Okay. And I'm going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Okay. So... I'm gonna use this as an example of, I'm gonna bring some kind of a covering to the beach or whenever I'm outside for a long period of time so that I can be covered and I can be um, um, shielded from the harshness and the heat of the sun, right? Now, you can see that I am in the shadow of this umbrella, right? Those of you that are all the way in the back, the tech team, you can see that I am in a shadow, correct? Those of you who are, you don't even have to be in the room. You are watching online and you can see that I am under the shadow. Now you, there's no doubt about it. Everyone in this room and those of you that are watching online can see that I am underneath the shadow, but I'm the only one experiencing it. I'm the only one experiencing it. You want to know why? Because I'm close. See, you can see it, but you got to come close to experience it. God is saying, come close, come and dwell. God wants us to experience the promises of of Psalm 91. And the only way that we can do that is how? If we dwell with him, right? Now, what are some of the things that we can experience by dwelling with God? Well, the first thing that I want to talk about is the one who dwells with God will experience the power of being in his presence. Why is there power in his presence, you ask? I'm so glad that you asked. I'm getting ready to get so deep and spiritual right now because he's there. Because he's there. That's why there's power in his presence. In the first two verses, the writer expresses actually four names of God. Did you know that God has many names? See, we've got to get into this word and study this word for ourselves, right? We've got to study it to know exactly who our God is. Because if you only know him as God, you have a very narrow, shallow, limited understanding of all that he is. Because every one of his names brings revelation as to who he is in every situation. And if I just read these verses with no understanding or revelation of who or what each, each of the names of God means, it will never, ever, ever have the full impact that it means to have when we read his word. In verse 1, most high in Hebrew is Elion. That means strongest of the strong, superlative God, surpassing all others, supreme above all other powers and authority. In verse one, almighty is the Hebrew word Shaddai. The name Shaddai means all-powerful, omnipotent. The promise inherent in the name Shaddai is that the almighty can do everything he has promised. No man or other power can thwart his ways. He 
is an awesome God. In verse two, we see Lord in Hebrew is Yahweh or Jehovah. His name means I am who I am or I will be who I will be. The significance of these translations show that God is the one who is there for his people. And then in verse two, God in Hebrew in this passage is Elohim. Elohim is God, the maker of the universe and the supreme creator of all life. It emphasizes God's power and strength, which is evident in creating from nothing, the heavens, the earth, and all that is in them. When you come into the presence of Elion, Shaddai, Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, there is power. So no wonder the writer says in verse two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him, I will trust. But when you just read it and you don't have revelation of that, it doesn't have the same impact, does it? So not only will you experience the power of his presence, but the one who dwells with God will experience the protection of being in his presence. Verses three and four says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Now I wanna go back to that verse four. It says he will cover you with his feathers because I wanna make one thing clear. This is not a great representation of the cover that I get from God because the shadow uh, is limited to the circumference of this umbrella. Your God, there is no limitation for him at all. So when I get up underneath the covering of him, you wouldn't see any light. You would see, I would have to crouch way down to be able to, to do that, you know, because I mean, but you, you wouldn't see any light. You would see me covered in the complete shadow of the Almighty because there is no limitation to God. Now, we have to be careful that we don't lead people astray by teaching or assuming that if you get sick or something happens to you, then you must be in sin. Or that as long as you're a Christian, nothing will ever happen to you because that just isn't true. See, we live in an imperfect world. We live in a fallen world where you and I have free will. And let's just be honest, we don't always make the right choices, do we? We just don't. In John chapter nine, there's a story of a man born blind. And in verse two, Jesus' disciples ask him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Verse three says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now let's be real. Some of y'all's stuff is happening because of this the decisions that you're making. Some of the stuff that has happened to me is because of the decisions that I have made. And you and I are having to live out the direct consequences of those behaviors, those actions, those decisions. And our God would not be a loving God if he did not allow us to go through some of the consequences of the, of the things that we have chosen to do. If he just took every consequence away, how would we ever learn? We would never learn. It's like, you know, the parents that are in the room. If you never disciplined your child, if you never corrected them, how would they ever learn? They wouldn't. But because our God is such a loving God, he teaches us. Doesn't always feel good, but he teaches us. You know, some of, some of us may be looking at Psalm 91 and, and recalling some instances and, and, and thinking to ourselves, well, yeah, but God, why didn't you protect me from this? Or, or why didn't you protect me from that? And I believe he's saying I wanted to. Oh, wow. 
I wanted to, but when I warned you about X, Y, Z, you fill in the blank, you didn't listen and kept going your own way. You weren't dwelling under his covering. See, you can't do whatever you want and expect the promises of Psalm 91 to be automatically applied to your life. it, It doesn't work that way. But here's the good news, because there's always good news in the gospel. The gospel is good news. Because of our God and that he is full of mercy and grace, you and I can repent, we can submit ourselves to him and his ways and allow his grace to work in our life to turn those things around for our good and for ultimately his glory. Now on the other side, we have to be careful in saying, if you dwell in his presence, then nothing will ever happen to you either. See, protection is relative to the protector. You can't define protection because you're not the protector. Now, if you're like me, when this revelation came to me, it hit me like a two by four in between the eyes. Because when I look at a situation or I'm in a situation and I'm expectant to be protected in a certain way, then when it doesn't happen the way I thought it should, I automatically assume, well, where were you? You didn't protect me. But he did. It just didn't look like the way you thought it was. See, we serve a God who is a God who is above all things. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He sees the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. And you and I have a very limited knowledge of of, of what we see, right? It's the same thing with with those of us who are parents in the room. When we put uh, guardrails, when we put things in place, we are, are, are... teaching and correcting from a place of experience, of knowledge, of of knowing maybe even more of the situation than our child does. It's the same with God, except he knows all things. He knows all things. So I want to place my trust solely in him. If he knows everything, if he knows what's way out there and knows that there's impending doom out there, then I will let him do whatever he wants to me over here to protect me from that over there. We can't just take one part of the Bible. We've got to look at the whole entire Bible in its context. So what about Job? The Bible describes him as blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Now, I don't have time to go into into depth, everything into the, the book of Job, because there is so much in there. And I encourage you to get into the word yourself, to read it and to study it for yourself. But if you don't know the story of Job, he lost all of his possessions. All of his children died and he was struck by disease. Remember what I said, the Bible describes him as blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. But that wasn't the end of his story. The Lord restored Job's fortunes twice as before. He also gave him seven more sons, three more daughters, and Job lived 140 years after that, seeing four generations of his children and grandchildren. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said, no, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down to your gold statue, which made the king mad, and he ordered them to be thrown into a fiery furnace. I love their response to the king. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, do you ever read things and you read it in people's voice? I don't know what they sounded like, but I sort of like, I I imagine it, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you silly, silly man. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we were, if you were to, to be, 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but catch this, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. See, essentially, they were declaring our memory verse. Let's say it all together. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. That is essentially what they were saying. They said, he's able to do it. But even if he doesn't, I trust him because I know that there's purpose in whatever he is getting ready to do. And as a result of their decision to be obedient, to trust in him, to dwell with him, he saved them from the fiery furnace and he turned King Nebuchadnezzar's heart around. See, sometimes he, he protects you by not letting it touch you and sometimes he protects you by letting it touch you, but he keeps you because protection is not about our convenience at all. Protection doesn't always mean I won't be in it. It means it won't have me. Let's pull this down to where we've been living for about the past year and a half. This thing called COVID-19 set in on the scene. None of us have ever lived through a pandemic. None of us went through COVID-19 101 management. Um, it has been a very uncertain time. But let me share with you throughout this, from, from day one, what I have done. And that is, along with declaring Psalm 91 over my life, here is what has been my personal confession statement concerning Psalm 91, or I'm sorry, concerning COVID-19. If I don't catch it, he covered me. If I do catch it, he'll keep me. And if I die from it, I will be with him. I will be with him. See, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in every situation, because I know and dwell with the one who is above all things, yes, even death, I know I have victory and I stand in victory. Therefore, I can boldly declare he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. I trust in him. Now, I said that there was power in dwelling. We, see, we experience power, right? We experience protection. And then the third thing is the one who dwells with him will experience and maintain proper perspective in his presence. Did you hear about the hitchhiker who was picked up on the side of the road? After a few miles, he turned to the driver and said, weren't you afraid that I might be a serial killer? That's when the driver responded, mm, not really, because the odds of two serial killers being in the same car is highly, <laughs> highly unlikely. Not everyone has the same perspective, do they? And every perspective is based on something. Did you hear what I said? Every perspective is based on something. God gives us absolute truth. It's his word. So that we can maintain the proper perspective when things of this life are thrown at us. Verse five says, you will not be afraid of the terror of night. 
nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction, sudden death that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but danger will not come near you. You will only be a spectator as you look on with your eyes and witness the divine repayment of the wicked as you watch safely from the shelters of the Most High. And catch this, here it is again, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. They will lift you up in their hands so that you do not even strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the, li the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. See, the writer of this psalm isn't saying there won't be scary things around you and I. Quite the contrary. What he's saying is that when you dwell in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty, you will not be afraid. He says, you'll see it, you'll witness it, but you won't be afraid because you are hidden safely in the shelter of the Most High. You're hidden safely under the shelter of the Most High. Now, what do we do with all of this? What are some next steps that we can take in listening and hearing the word, but now putting something into action. And I think really where we need to start is we need to take inventory. Am I dwelling? I would encourage you to pray and ask Holy Spirit to reveal any area in your life where you aren't dwelling or placing your complete trust in God. See, I picked this up earlier and I told you that this is limited. The shadow is limited. But some of us look like this sometime because we're not trusting God for everything. We might trust God for our marriage. We may trust God with our children, but finances, mm, I don't think I can trust him there. See, I get a paycheck, so that's where I place my trust. We have to get to the place where we are completely throw all abandonment to the wind and say, God, I trust in you so that we can experience the divine protection, all that he has planned out for each and every one of us. I think the second thing that we could do this week is we could read Psalm 91 every single day and commit to memory Psalm 2, Psalm 91 verse 2 that we would be reminded that I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Now to end this Psalm, God reiterates and lays out the conditional promises once again. Verses 14 through 16 says, the Lord says, if you love me, which remember we talked about means attached to, or that we dwell, and truly know who I am, I will rescue you and keep you safe. When you are in trouble, call out to me. Don't run to social media. Don't make that first thing that you do is pick up the phone and call someone else. He says, no, when you're in trouble, call out to me because I will answer you and be there to protect and honor you. You will live a long life and see my saving power. I just wanna leave you with a few thoughts. If we choose to dwell with God, we can expect actual deliverance in the real world dangers we all face. If we choose to dwell with God, 
even in those instances in our lives where evil seems to have the upper hand, Satan's purposes are always overthrown and God's good plan for us is always advanced. Romans 8:28 says, and we know God causes all things to work for the good of those who love him. If we choose to dwell with God, we know that nothing can affect our eternal safety in him. We know that trouble, famine, danger, demons, nothing present or in the future, not even death can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And to be safe in Christ is ultimate safety. That's where our ultimate safety comes. It comes from being hidden in Christ. Hannah, will you come here for just a second? See, this protection, this ultimate safety, it was established on the cross. God closed the gap. He's the one that pursued us. But he's a gentleman and he is not going to take his free gift and do this. He's not gonna do that because scripture says that he stands at the door and he knocks, waiting for you to answer, for you to invite him in. So instead of it looking like this, it's here, it's already been established, but instead it looks like this. You and I have to make the decision we have to make the decision to place ourselves under his covering. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that is so rich with power and truth. I thank you for what you've spoken to us today. And Holy Spirit, I know that you are taking the words that were formed on these pages, on these very paper thin pages of the word and, and the other pages that were, the words were typed on, Father, the, the word that you have been stirring, I know that you are planting it deep into our hearts. Now maybe you're here today and, and you heard what, what we talked about, maybe the next steps would be and you're, you're thinking, wow, I really think that my next step is, is that I need to be the one who lays hold of and takes hold of the free gift that Jesus has extended. And if that's you, if you would just raise your hand because I wanna pray for you. I wanna lead you in a prayer that, um, that, that is the greatest prayer that you would ever, ever pray. I wanna lead you in a prayer. If that's you, if you say, you know, I, I haven't trusted I haven't trusted Jesus with my whole life. If, if you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have given your life over to Christ, then I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but if you would just boldly raise your hand today because it's the greatest decision you would ever make. And this place is gonna erupt in praise when you make that decision. Let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, you are my savior. You died and you rose again three days later. I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I thank you, Father, that I can place my 100% trust in you alone. And I will do my very best to walk out this life 
just as you have, have created it for me. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. Well, church, would you celebrate with us today all that he has said and all that he is doing? It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.